You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Mental Health Today show. My name is John Cordray and I'm a licensed therapist and I really appreciate that you're here. And I'm really looking forward to my guest today. Like I said earlier, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She also has her doctorates. And we talked a little bit before we came on, and she has a lot of knowledge and expertise in complex trauma. And I can't wait to learn more about that. But don't don't tune this out if you don't have the complex trauma, because what we're going to be talking about applies to your situation too. It's mental barriers. So whatever the mental barrier that you are facing, or maybe you faced before, you're going to learn a lot in this episode. I want to welcome you, Joelle. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Oh, thanks, John, for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, I am too. And I, I we were talking a little bit before we came on uh, the episode here. And both you and I do a lot of remote work uh, and we see our clients remotely. And it wasn't that long ago uh, that uh, pre-COVID, before COVID, it wasn't a thing, but now it's everywhere. And we were talking how a lot of times our clients prefer remote work. And so I know you do a lot. I, I'm full-time. Uh, I think you're full-time on uh, yeah. with, with therapy work. And I can't wait to hear more about that. But before we get to that, though, I want to I want to hear a little bit about you and, and your story. Can you tell us tell us something a little bit about yourself first? Oh, my gosh. Um, thanks for asking. I always stumble with this question. Right. Um, so fun fact, I was a ballerina for 22 years so professionally. So I had a 22 year dance career. Wow. career ending injuries and my life blew up and we could talk more about that as the podcast goes on if you're interested um but uh i had post doctorates in um I have fine arts a masters in fine arts dance i have a masters in education was running a university department found myself newly divorced with a one and a 3 year old and mm. um i disliked being in this PhD program for dance history and went, okay, I don't want to talk about Martha Graham. I want to be a dancer. And the um, 
that was not in the cards anymore. And so all of a sudden I woke up and went, okay, I don't know who I am and what I'm going to do. And uh, I had a great therapist at the time. And we worked through that a little bit. And she made a joke. She goes, we well, could always go to psych school. And I laughed and I said, yeah, whatever. And two <laughs> weeks later, I was enrolled in a psych program and I go back to therapy and she's looking at me like, what have you done? You are in no, no way, shape or form capable of being in this profession because I was in the throes of my own trauma hmm. um, and, and trying to cope. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it anyway. And it's it, so I laugh. I went to a three year master's program for marriage and family therapy, specializing in trauma. It was an extended program. And I think I spent the first 18 months curled up in the fetal position, hmm. you know, in the corner going, I can't do this. And I would go into therapy every week and she would laugh at me, which was fair. I mean, it, honestly, it, it was a fair reaction and say, I told you so. And then we would process where I was getting stuck. And ev eventually the career took off. And I, I loved doing this as much as I, I loved being a dancer. But um, it was quite a pivot. Mm, it sounds like it. Wow. So you said it was a career ending uh, injury. And then now yeah. you're a therapist. And, and so that talk about a barrier in your life. Yeah. And yeah. you had hopes and dreams and you were really following that. And then the accident happens and now that's over. Wow. What was that like? Do you remember the thoughts that you were having at that time? Yeah. And it was, it wasn't one accident. It was slow, this kind of slow progression. Um, and it, I had stress fracture after stress fracture and I, I just wasn't healing. And you know, I stopped performing for a while and was focusing on coaching and teaching. And eventually the, you know, the orthopedic surgeon is like, look, you've got a choice. You can quit and keep walking or you can never walk again. But that's where we were at with this. And wow. so I was in denial. I, I think I was like, you know, I'm a classic perfectionist. I'm like, that's okay. I'll heal. I will will myself to. So I, I was in denial. I was, um, doing everything we train our clients, you know, or work with our clients not to do, I was doing, <laughs> um, not taking care of myself, um, not paying attention to my body, um, and certainly not listening to the doctor. And, and I wasn't in therapy. And so, you know, as my life was unfolding with all of the traumas, some of them were known to me, some of them were coming up because I was finding myself constantly triggered and not understanding that, but also quitting therapy. I would start and then I'd quit. I'd start and I'd quit. So I was in this vortex of, um, like I said, you know, feeling like my life was starting to um, implode. And what I kept holding on to is I have, I've only, this is all I've ever done. I've been a dancer since I was three years old. I was professional, a professional dancer at 16. I transitioned from being a ballerina to being on stage to being in film. I had made all of these pivots within dance. Um, and so I'm like, I, I'll just pivot. I'll, I'll, I'll just do that again. And it wasn't happening. So then the doctor gives me this news. And I just remember thinking, I won't be anything. I'm nothing. That's such a strong, powerful statement that would, mm -hmm. you know, I'd spend years working on. I'm nothing if I'm not this which is not the truth. And when I hear it now, right, I realize how far 
in the um, overwhelm, pain, anxiety, shame, guilt, all of it. I was so far in it that I couldn't see that there was other things that I could do. Yeah, it became the thought that you were having became a belief. Yeah. Which then became a barrier for you at that point. Yeah. And and I think that's such a key, what you just said, because so many people, they have this thought that turns into a belief, that turns into a narrative, that turns into catastrophizing, that turns. Yeah. So it's just this yeah. repeated yeah. around and around thought loop. And they feel like their identity is shattered. Their their uh, future is gone. And it's that barrier in trying to overcome that. And you somehow you did. So, so you became a therapist and, and your dream yeah. was shattered, literally. And yeah. then you pivoted. And so you had these thoughts and then you made that pivot. What was it? Do you remember? Do you remember what it was that finally you said, okay, I can't change what happened, but what I can do, I can look at my future. Do you remember that, that transition or that milestone for you? Yeah. And I, and I think the, the realization of that came later. I, at the time, um, this was, became a core belief. I don't have value if I'm not dancing. Mm. That was just, it was mm. to my core, what I believed about myself. Um, and so even while I was going through school to be a therapist, that was still that core value is, well, I don't know what my value is going to be. The turning point for me was, and the reason I decided to go to school to be a therapist was sitting in my therapist's office thinking, I don't ever want anybody to feel the way I feel. I, I feel mm. so bad. Um, if there was one thing I could do to help someone else, I would do it. Um, because that was my way of coping was people pleasing. So as noble as that sounds, the flip side of that was that was part of how I coped was, well, I would just people please. I would go into that. So I took one negative coping mechanism, right? That wasn't working for me in my dance career and went, that's okay. I'll do that in therapy. And it, it took some time to work through what actually that was about the question that you're asking is when did I, I realize the shift came later when I was doing very deep trauma work and moving from a space of understanding um, being a victim and victimhood to embracing this idea of being a survivor to then switching over to DBT, radical acceptance, post-traumatic growth, and understanding that even identifying for me, this is not true for everyone, but for me personally, identifying as a survivor kept some kind of power over. And I moved into this concept of radical acceptance and thriving. I am the sum of all of my experiences, good, bad, and indifferent. I can't change it. I didn't cause it, didn't create it, can't control it. So I can stay stuck there or I can keep that part of my narrative and move forward anyway. And that was that shift. And, and it came, it came later with doing some deeper work. I love that. And we have, we all have choices every single day. We have choices. There are things that we cannot control, like you mentioned. And so when something happens, 
we have a choice to make and, and, and whether we get say stuck or we move on and move forward and grow. And, you know, we're talking about overcoming those mental barriers. And I know you just described your own personal mental barrier, but I also know your work, you help so many others who are struggling with a lot of trauma in their own lives. How do you do that? How do you walk through uh, with somebody who is, let's say, a complex, a lot of trauma? And, yeah. and so how do you work with them to help them overcome their limiting beliefs or their, uh, you know, I know you mentioned this earlier about when you were thinking about yourself, it's something wrong with you or you, it's something bad yeah. about you. And so how do you help someone work through that? Because it's kind of a belief. A lot of people have this yeah. belief that they're, they're, they're not valuable anymore. How do you help them with that? Yeah. And I, you know, whether it's trauma or it's life transition, whatever's going on for clients, I start in the same place. And that's really important, which is skills. And what I don't want to do is take somebody's coping mechanisms, whether they're healthy or not, and try and dismantle that really quickly because there's nothing to replace that with. And so that leaves people with even more you know, anxiety, stress, pain, right? With trauma, it can re-trigger people. So we start with skills. And it can be anything from, I just want you to, you know, take three deep belly breaths when you're feeling your shoulders in your ears, right? I just want you to try taking three breaths, roll your shoulders, and that's it. Just do that. If you do it once in the seven days, you know, in between our session now and our session next week, cool, you have one, right? If you remember to do it once, the hardest thing about changing and changing a belief pattern is remembering that it's a practice and it's not a one, one time, one fix, one solution. I wish I had a magic wand. I would love to be out of a job. <laughs> I really would. Mm. Um, you know, it, but it is a practice and it takes such a long time, simple concepts, but very difficult to implement. So for me, it's, one little thing and getting someone's buy-in. What does that look like? Well, I just don't want to be, I don't want to wake up sad. Cool. I, I hear you. What does that look? Tell me what that looks like for you. When you say, I don't want to wake up sad. If you had a magic wand, right? What would tomorrow look like if you weren't sad? So I try and get this overall picture and client, you know, people can do this at home that are listening, right? Thinking about where you are now with whatever you're, whether it's a belief, it's a problem, it could be a, a temporary problem, could be something really deep. If you had a magic wand, what would tomorrow look like if you changed nothing but the one problem, right? And so when we get that, then we're like, okay, what are those, the steps that we can take to get there? right? Whether that's thought stopping, whether it's breath work, whether it's going outside, it, you know, people say, I want to implement exercise, right? I hear this a lot, especially around the new year, people want to, you know, implement an exercise program. That's really hard to do. So I start with, all right, go walk around the block. When you end your day, go walk around the block. Don't go any farther. Just walk around the block right? Chances are people will come in and say, I could do that. Yes, you can do it. You can. So now what it would be like to walk around the block twice, 
Because people go from, I can walk around the block to now I'm going to run a mile with no in between. And then when the failure sets in, right, they're like, forget it. I can't do it. And that negative belief of I have no value starts to come up again, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Because I failed again. So I start there, just small things that may seem um, easy to, right? Just small little things of how can we start to make behavioral changes that are going to stick? So we can make the really big ones later on. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, so often when uh, I know when I talk to my clients, they're hurting or coming to me because they're hurting and that that's their biggest priority is I don't want to hurt anymore. I don't want to be sad anymore. Just like you said, and I get it. And that makes complete sense. We don't want to, to be sad or we don't want to be anxious like we are. And so we want the the solution. We want to flip off a light switch. We want to, to hit the easy button. We want to take that magic pill. We want, and I get it. That makes sense. But that's not how healing works, is it? Uh, so it doesn't no. work instantaneous. And uh, it, it's a process. It's a journey. And And I think I loved how you framed it, that you help them try to come up with what are some ideas that you have? And let's start slow. Let's start small. It's not all or nothing here. We want small, incremental, sustainable progress. And I love that. that I think that's so important. Yeah. And, and I love the light switch because that's how I explain it, right? You know, it, mm-hmm. it's we're acting as, as it's a light switch. It's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. And we need to build in a dimmer switch. So when we, you know, when people come in and they say, I don't want to be sad anymore. If I were to say to them, well, that's not realistic. Sad is a real human emotion of like, you want to watch a movie and cry if it's sad, right? That, that doesn't resonate. That's, that's ridiculous psychobabble. It doesn't work for anybody. But if we can get to a place where I said, okay, look, if you had sadness on a dimmer switch and you could turn it down when you don't need it, right? It's still there for you. So when you want it, it's there. You don't have to give it up. You can turn it back on, right? But it doesn't have to stay stuck. That works for people. They're like, oh, okay, I can get, I get that. Because part of it is I don't want to lose myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm so afraid to lose, or I don't want to lose the experience, mm-hmm. right? Even though it's not giving me anything positive anymore, I don't want to lose it. It's still part of that narrative. It's part of me. Yeah. So, all right, what if you kept it? And we just made it in the background of your thinking, not in the forefront of every decision that you're making, every experience that you're having. I like that. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Because it's, it's, a, it's a clear picture, and uh, it's not psychopabble like you, you mentioned, but it's a, it's a picture where everybody can understand that, a dimmer switch. It's not a flip off or flip on. It's a dim. It's a dimmer. 
right? It's finding yeah. that it's kind of like finding the balance in a way. Yeah. And you don't, uh, I tell this to everybody, you know, to my clients all the time, your feelings are valid. How you feel is valid. So it's not wrong to be sad. It's not wrong to be anxious. It's not wrong to be angry. It's valid. You're a human being. But how how are those feelings, how are they influenced by your thoughts? And are your thoughts yeah. accurate? And I think a lot of times an, another mental barrier is the thoughts that people have either about themselves, about their situation, or about others. And they they come up with these thoughts that are not accurate. I call it, I talk to my clients that it's circumstantial evidence. You're believing circumstantial <laughs> evidence. You don't have any proof right. for it, right? And, and then that can yeah. influence how you feel, which then can influence how you behave. And so I, I would yeah. imagine you help a lot of people. You talk to a lot of clients about their thinking as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about how do you talk to others who may be thinking about things that are not completely accurate? Yeah, I use the similar language, right? That, you know, okay, prove it. I, I, I tend to be more in your face, I think, as a therapist. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, so a lot of times we're like, all right, well, prove that. Give me the laundry list, right? Why do you actually think that? Um, and what we end up coming away with is that there's very little fact in that thinking. It's more about, like you said, it's about a feeling, but it is now an ingrained belief, right? Or it's what I call a core value. Um, for example, if I have a failed relationship, right, my core value may may come from that. I have, um, I'm unlovable, right? No one wants to be with me. And that's my core value. And it's not that it, that's even a conscious awareness. It's so very deep in my psyche that I'm not, a, but everything I do is solidifying that core value. I'm unlovable. I'm unlovable. I'm unlovable, right? All of my thinking. And so once we've done some skills work, because again, I want people to, I want them to have a little bit of relief. Even first session, somebody comes in for the very first time. I'm like, all right, I've got, here's your homework. I've got three different skills. I want you to try if they all <laughs> suck. That is totally okay. No in therapy is a great answer. I love hearing no, Joe, that didn't work. I'm like, cool. I got 101 techniques we can try. Um, <laughs> when I get a, yeah, that's okay. That's not helpful at all. And my favorite is arms crossed, you know, resistance of like, nope, I'm not doing it. Cause then I'm like, ah, I hit a nerve. Cool. That's what I'm after. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for skills first. Then this next piece is working on these core beliefs to really start to change in the internal monologue and that narrative. And I, I use that with an if-then kind of dynamic statement. So if my relationship failed, then what does that say about me? And again, you can all try this at home, right? If my relationship failed or if my whatever, right, what does that say about me? Well, it means that... Um, that, you know, I was a terrible girlfriend. Okay. If you were a terrible girlfriend, what does that say about you? Well, I suck in relationships. Nobody's going to ever love me. Okay. If no one ever loves you, what does that say? about? And eventually we'll get to that core belief of 
I'm unlovable. Mm. Ah, do you really think that? Do you really right now sitting with me in your heart of hearts believe that you are unlovable? Nine times out of 10 in that moment, people say yes. And I say, that's really painful. That's really painful to sit with the fact that you believe, not just feel, you believe in your heart of hearts that you are unlovable. And right? What would it mean? What would it mean to you, right? If we could just change that one thing, not 100% of the time, because there's no perfect, but sometimes Mm. you actually felt that you were lovable. What would that mean? So we start, you know, when we go from there. I like so that. This if and then. Yeah, that's a, that's a great technique and a great practice. And so when you ask them that, in your heart of hearts, do you really feel unlovable? I, I'm just picturing you pausing and letting them yeah. just grapple with that. And there, so it's silence and, and then with therapy, this, so you all know therapy, uh, silence can be a really powerful tool. Sometimes one of the most powerful tools in the session because it allows the, your brain to process what's just happening. And so when you hear some, your therapist or a therapist say, do you really, in the heart of hearts, your core being, do you really believe? that you are unlovable, pause. That's powerful. And they might come back and they say, yes, I do believe that. And I believe that for all my life. And I have proof that I'm unlovable because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so they think it's proof, right? And then they, that turns into a belief system and you're working with them and you're touching on that core, that core emotion. And maybe it's bringing up the shame. Maybe it's bringing up uh, a lot of guilt, loneliness, rejection. Maybe they were ostracized as a child. Maybe. So there's so many things in our, in our timeline that has built up and becomes a barrier with our thinking. And you just touching on that, really touching their heart. Right? Or do you really feel yeah. unlovable? And you let them kind of sit with that. And then you use the the if then technique in, in the in the practice. And I love that. And it's just walking them through and challenging. And it sounds like to me it's a challenge. you're challenging their thinking, but you're doing it in a kind way. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And then then using your technique of okay, prove it. Give me the laundry yeah. list of why you are. Because yeah. if that's how you feel in your heart of hearts, okay, give me the laundry list. Prove it. Why are you unlovable? And I'll get five, six, maybe sometimes half a do- you know, 10, a dozen or so. But eventually that list gets exhausted. Mm. And I'll say, okay, give me all of the things that you do that you think are lovable in someone else. Not in you, because you're not lovable. Got it. Check. Roger that. Paying attention. Okay, all of the things that you love about your children or your friend or your boss, whoever it is, right? Think about somebody that you really care about. What are all the things that make them lovable? And give me the laundry list. And I exhaust that list. So we'll go through. 
And eventually I'll say, wow, sounds like we're talking about you. <laughs> right? And like you said, silence. Yeah. Because people have the answer. They have their answer in their head. They're mm -hmm. just so lost in their own um, belief system and the pain of what they're experiencing mm -hmm. that it's hard to get to those answers. Yeah. Wow. I love it. You know, I, I often say as a therapist, it's, it's a very honoring and humbling profession. And I'm sure you feel the same way too, because people come to us and they're, when it's, when they're very vulnerable and they literally open up the heart to us and that's amazing. And so yeah. I appreciate you just really walking through uh, and helping uh, us understand and my listeners understand of how to overcome the mental barriers. And I love that we all have them. Everybody has their own story, their own journey. Some people have the complex trauma. Others, uh, there's a lot of other things in their life. It may not be PTSD type of trauma, but mm -hmm. I call it little T trauma. It's mm -hmm. there. It's there. And, and so we all have at some points of our lives these mental barriers. And you offered a lot of great uh, tips and strategies that was very helpful. So I appreciate you doing that for my audience. But I do want to ask you, uh, is there, is there something, so someone's listening to this and maybe they're identifying, yep, that's me. <laughs> I I thought that I feel that I've done that. Yep. That's me. What would be something that you can encourage the, my listener who is feeling like I'm, I'm nobody. There's something wrong with me. I'm a failure. Could you kind of share kind of your last, uh, remarks to, uh, of encouragement to that person? Yeah, you know, therapy is definitely a socioeconomic privilege for some people. Um, there are a lot of, of low-cost clinics. There are clinics attached to every graduate psych school. Um, if you want to work with an intern or somebody learning to be a therapist as a way to do therapy, um, there's a lot of online options. There are self-help books. There are journals. So pick something and start somewhere. Um, just making the choice to say, hey, I'm willing to work on my uh, negative thinking and my belief system will help. So just making that one small choice of saying, okay, I'm going to help. Um, a lot of people love journaling. I, I will be honest with you. I am a person who buys every journal that comes out. I buy, <laughs> I buy them all workbooks and journals and on every subject and pretty ones and not so pretty, it doesn't matter. Um, and I don't use them. <laughs> I, I write journals for a living. I have a new one that just came out. Um, I, I am the worst patient ever. I, do, I just don't do my homework. I would love to tell you that I have this great journaling practice and I, I don't. And I, what I, what I realized, and I, we teach this stuff. I still have my own negative thinking that gets in my way, right. And my, my roadblocks and journaling was one of them. And it's a great place to start. And it was really hard for me to do that as I lose my AirPods <laughs> for all of you watching or paying attention if we don't edit this out. Um, so with journaling, it's a great place to start. And so what I finally came to realize I was doing a podcast, true story, six months ago, and I still go to therapy because 
a lot of us therapists still go and do our own therapy. Um, and I was saying to this podcaster, we were talking about journaling and, and I said, you know, my problem with it is I want to be good at it. Ah, there's the perfectionist coming up again. Right? <laughs> I want to be good at it and I'm not. Okay, there's the roadblock, negative thinking, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I said, but what I realize is when I write things down, it becomes real and it's too scary. Now, I said this out loud on a podcast with way too much vulnerability and went, oh my God, <laughs> and I'm trying to put it all back in my mouth as I'm unloading all of this information. And then I went into therapist and I've had the same therapist for, I don't know, 18 plus years. Um, and she's like, yeah, how'd that work for you? <laughs> I'm like, well... <laughs> It was a little embarrassing. Um, and I realized I have way more work to do on my negative thinking, mm. right? Because I got stuck in that old belief system that we were talking about earlier in the show. And I said, but there's truth to that. The mm. reason I don't like writing it down is because it's too scary because now it's real. When mm. it's in my head, I don't have to deal with it. I've got amazing maladaptive coping skills that will work to my advantage every time, right? <laughs> but when I have to actually write it down, it means I have to deal with it. Mm. Um, and it was such a wonderful, cathartic moment and absolutely terrifying. So for all of you that don't know how to journal, there's, there's pre-made ones with journal prompts. You can get a notebook and just write. You could write a letter just to your younger self. You can buy a workbook. It's terrifying. I can tell you from experience. It's terrifying, but it's a great place to start. And it isn't an expensive, you know, outreach for people that have financial constraints. So if therapy is not an option, doing something like that is a good place. Follow Instagram accounts that are by licensed therapists like John and I who have skills-based information out there that's empirically tested. There are self-help books um, you can get from the library. So there are lots of places to start. I like that. And the key is just to start. I love it. Just Very good. Well, before I let you go, I have one last question for you. And, and that has to do with self-care. And that's something I like to ask all of my guests uh, about what's uh, one or two things that you like to do for your own self-care? Yeah. Um, I, because I'm a retired athlete moving, it's all, so anything I walk at the end of um, the day, doesn't matter how tired or bad I feel, I at least try and do a block. Um, but I do walk every day. I um, try and get some kind of exercise. I love yoga. Um, so anything like that helps helps keep me grounded. Um, but I'll be honest, I am learning just like everybody else is. I'm just a little farther along in my learning process than maybe some of your listeners. You also may have listeners that are way farther along than me. The other thing that I do for self-care is I have sticky notes. I have them <laughs> all over the place. I write myself notes. And so if you were looking at my screen or my computer, you would see I have two. One is a quote that says, it's not my job to be popular. It's my job to make hard decisions, which is hard for me running a business as a people pleaser. And um, the other one is an acronym called WAIT, which I took from my clinical director. Um, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? That is the mm. other thing, because I will 
talk instead of paying attention to what's going on in my mind, in my body, and in my soul. So putting a pause button on my own self, taking a breath, and really paying attention to what's going on helps keep me grounded. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, and I also appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and coming on the show and and just talking about encouraging people to overcome their mental barriers. And I think that happens a lot for a lot of people. And so this is a very timely topic. And uh, thank you for your expertise. Thank you for what you do and all the people that you meet and talk to with your clients. I really appreciate that. And so thank you for your time today. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, John. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, and I want to just mention to all of you who are listening to the show, thank you so much. If you've been around for a while, you know I appreciate you. And if you're new, thank you. I would love for you to follow the show as well. Take care, my friends, and continue to work on your mental health. Continue to work on your mental barriers. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money.